0: Welcome to the first episode of She Looks Like Me. I am your host Simone Cherie. I'm so happy because this podcast has been a long time in the making and thanks to the encouragement and nudge and kind words from some very good friends in my circle. We are here. So the fact that you are listening to this means that you are on your favorite listening platform and we're live. And I'm so excited about that. I wanted to create a space where I could sit down and talk with some of the women who have inspired me, some of the women who I've gotten a chance to work with, who, um, I hope to get to work with one day or get to know more about uh, more deeply. And one thing that I know is that they are all Black women who are doing dope things in their respective industries. They are looking to better themselves personally. And I think as we all are, they're, you know, they're looking for what it looks like for them to live life on their own terms. And so I I hope that you will find some inspiration um, in each episode, a nugget or something that you can take away, a helpful tip that maybe helps you get more aware, aligned or intentional about your life. I know that's the journey that I'm on. And so I wanted to create a space where we talk about that. And of course, we're going to have fun and we're going to kiki and do all that fun stuff. But I definitely wanted to highlight dope women who are living life on their own terms and, you know, building businesses or pursuing passions that speak to their heart and that impact our communities in good ways. So before we start having our amazing lineup of guests, I wanted to take this first episode to spend some time to share with you about my background, who I am, you should know who your host is, and um, tell you a little bit about what inspires me and why I wanted to start this podcast. And then before we wrap it up, I want to also share with you the inspiration behind the name of the podcast and, and give you a little insight into that. So let's dive in. So my life story starts in the coastal town of Wilmington, North Carolina. I was born to a single mom who was in the Marine Corps, um, just getting her career started in the Marine Corps. And so that led to us having a life very much on the move. I've called several cities home throughout my upbringing, including New Orleans during you know my elementary years, a small town outside of Kansas City, Missouri during middle school. And then we settled in Greenville, South Carolina. Just before my ninth grade year, I was a member of the STEP team, Hey Mueta Sigma. I was also in the National Honor Society, Beta Club. I was super active in high school. And I also just, you know, was studious and loved to read and write and do poetry and short stories. So it makes Perfect sense that now we are here in the audio space. So, yeah, my first job was actually in retail. Shout out to retail workers, especially these days. I actually worked at Limited Two, so, rest in peace to Limited Two. I, but I enjoyed it. I was, I've always wanted to work. I, my first job actually was, or not my first job, but like my first opportunity of making money was actually at my aunt's house in the summertime when I would go stay with, you know, my family and give my mom a break. <laughs> I would, I would walk down to the store, whatever money I had, and I would, you know, buy cups and I would buy some Kool-Aid and I would go back to my aunt's house and I would make icy cups for the neighborhood. And so that was my first, you know, my first making money opportunity. And so when it came time that I could legally make money as a teenager, I was ready. So after graduating high school, I decided to go to college at the University of South Carolina. Hey, Gamecocks. And I double majored in business management and marketing and I minored in fashion merchandising during you know, college. There was so many transformations and so many um, life lessons during that time, but I definitely got the international travel bug. While I was at USC, I actually got my first international travel experience through an opportunity presented to me by one of my dearest professors, Dr. Lambden. She offered me an opportunity or told me about an opportunity to apply for this program that was going to take 10 students from my college to travel to Romania to educate high school student students in, in Romania about global business issues. So that was my first international experience. It was also interesting being the only black woman on this trip, the only black person on this trip and secretly being the cupid shuffle educator as well because it was 2008 so take you back there and cupid shuffle was a thing and so it was a thing there too so i you know i put on my my cupid shuffle hat and yeah it was a good time though and it was a nice first international experience that kind of opened my eyes to what was really out here in the world beyond the world that I had known, you know, just being here in the States. And so I guess I was in the travel mood that year because after I got back from that trip about a month and a half later, I would spend that fall semester in the Virgin Islands. And I did a exchange program where I I selected you know, my top three schools where I wanted to go, and I ended up at the University of the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas. And so that was my small glimpse of HBCU life, but it was absolutely amazing because St. Thomas is still one of the places that I call home. It holds a special place in my heart for me and absolutely a place I can, if I can always get to it, I will because it is just such a beautiful island. So I would go on to graduate from South Carolina with honors, but I wasn't quite ready to be an adult yet. And I really needed more time to figure it out. I knew I was interested in fashion based on, you know, my experience in in school as far as my minor. And also I had worked at a high-end consignment boutique throughout most of college. So I was getting exposed to You know, high end labels and that whole luxury aesthetic. And I was like, I want to do this. And so I knew I wasn't ready to be an adult yet. I knew I was interested in fashion and I knew I had to get to Atlanta. My mom tells me all the time that I have been obsessed with Atlanta since I was little. I could not tell you why, but I just knew I needed to be here. And so I ended up discovering the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I applied to their master's program. They had a luxury fashion management program. And I applied to the master's program. I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to move to Atlanta, get my master's. It's going to be great. And I did not get in. They didn't accept me into the graduate program. And I'm here to tell you, you know, several years later that that was actually the biggest blessing of my life because they ended up telling me that, you know, I didn't get into the master's program, but I could resubmit my application as an undergrad and go in through the bachelor's program. And the beauty of that, because I felt like I was taking a step back, I was like, I already have a bachelor's. Why do I need a second one? But I was determined to get to Atlanta and I was determined to go to the school because I, I, you know, once I discovered it, I realized just how cool it really was. And I wanted to go there and I wanted to learn in this creative art space. So I resubmit my application as an undergrad. And that was the best thing that could have happened to me because I had most of my credits as a you know bachelor you know general studies stuff and so i just got to go be an art student i got to do sketching and i got to do sculpting and you know play in textiles and learn about color theory and i also got to learn about graphic and web design which was the literally the foundation of what helped me and inspired me to start my first business being at scad and learning the things i was learning but also working with and connecting with the other students that I was connecting with is what inspired me to start my first business, you know, shortly after I got out of college. So I was pursuing this degree. And even though I definitely loved Atlanta, I just knew, you know, wanting to go into fashion that I was probably going to want to move to New York or LA to make waves in the fashion world. And so I started exploring the world of public relations and I would eventually land an internship in LA actually at an independent woman-owned PR agency called Blueprint Public Relations. And so the summer of 2012, I think that was, um, I whisked myself off to LA and spent the summer there to uh, be an intern at this agency. And most of their clients were in luxury fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. So I was head over heels. I was so happy. I was like, this is what I want. And it was my first taste of being on the sets of news broadcasts like Good Day LA and on you know pre-production sets for E! News and then working with celebrity talent and all the things you think of when working behind the scenes in Hollywood I enjoyed the team at Blueprint, and I knew if I lived in L.A. that I could find my groove in the PR world. But life outside of work in L.A., so personal life, was not it for me. I was missing Atlanta. I was missing Black culture. I was missing the South. And as much as I enjoyed the idea of killing it career-wise in L.A., I couldn't find myself in that city. I couldn't find community. And so after I finished my internship, even though I actually had a job offer on the table the owner of the company, she said, you do not have to go back and finish. And I was like, yes, yes, I do going to get this degree. And so back to Atlanta, I went and we went to, uh, I went to finish the last semester of school. I was determined to keep building on my PR skills. And I knew that, you know, school was rapidly coming to an end and I needed to find another opportunity to, you know, continue working on my skill set and PR so I applied for and a- accepted an internship with the Garner Circle shortly after coming back. And the Garner Circle is actually one of Atlanta's top public relations agencies that just so happens to be Black woman owned and founded. It was my first glimpse into the world of multicultural marketing in a deep way and seeing household brand names, putting funding and energy behind creating brand experiences to engage consumers, specifically black consumers was so exciting for me. I know it sounds a little nerdy, but um, I wanted to be a part of it. I was like, this is for me, sign me up. And so for the Real Housewives of Atlanta fans who are listening right now, my first campaign was actually the Kenya Moore Forever Relevant Gala, where she asked all the ladies to dress up in various costumes of old Hollywood. And this is the one, so if you got to be a fan fan. This is the one where she told Portia to dress like Halle Berry from Bats. And instead she came as Dorothy Dandridge and there was drama and she kicked her out and it was a whole thing. And yeah, so that was my first event, work event in Atlanta when it came to like the PR event, experiential event world. And it was the first of so many eventful nights, you know, working behind the scenes and, you know, with entertainers and the music industry, etc. And, definitely something I enjoyed but I was hooked I loved every bit of it so I would go on to work on campaigns during that internship with African Pride, Young Jeezy and so many others what I loved most about the work that I was doing at that time and and really since then was that the work has been intentionally black moving around throughout my childhood and often being one of a handful or the only black kid in a space growing up You have a hard time finding yourself seeing yourself so this was my glimpse into lives for us by us and i i've i wanted it i was like i'm hooked it was work but at the same time it felt much more like me than the life i was trying to envision for myself in la so i'm like okay well atlanta let's do this as my internship at the garner circle was coming to an end so was my last semester at SCAD. Thankfully, I was able to find a job, my first job out of college fairly quickly, and it was my first PR and marketing role with the startup Fashion Lifestyle Company. A few months later, I decided to start my first business, SC Creative Group. I had been continuing to build my skills as a graphic designer, but also had a network of creatives who, like me, were in need of projects and source of funding and so between my internships and just being out and about i was starting to meet tons of business professionals business owners who needed creative services but lacked those contacts in their network so my goal was to fill that gap i wanted to provide opportunities for creatives myself included but definitely a focus on freelancers of color while also serving the needs of local businesses so i'm working at this independent fashion company here in atlanta and i'm getting my business going as far as you know graphic web creative services for businesses and i'm approached by the then vice president of my former internship agency the garner circle mr daniel dickey he shared with me a vision for a brand management agency that allowed us to be a resource for all of our clients business needs serving as both agency counsel and extending our network of professional and industry contacts to help clients win. Our primary discipline was public relations and experiential marketing, but we also assisted in strategizing and executing brand partnerships, sponsorships, and consumer engagement initiatives. And so the Resource Guild was officially launched in September 2013. I took the role of creative director, and our first client campaign was the Atlanta launch of Flavored Vodka, Sirac Amaretto. So in partnership with our clients, we helped them execute the private event, and it was guest hosted by Diddy's then-girlfriend, Cassie. So that was the beginning of a very whirlwind time of working in entertainment and music and business and various aspects of this varied Atlanta uh, professional culture. And so during that period, we would go to work on with a variety of clients, again, all still centered in Black culture, um, including the launch of Teixeira Simmons' first book, Miller Coors, The Atlanta Ballet, and Street Execs, which is home to some of your favorites, including 2 Chains and Travis Porter. And so by 2015, after two years of working hard and giving everything to clients, I was starting to feel burnt out. Um, anybody who's worked in event life, nightlife, or the entertainment industry in general, you know how overwhelming and all-consuming it can be. It's a lifestyle. It really is. And so it became that for me. I was seeking a way to keep going. I knew I loved marketing. I just knew I didn't necessarily want my life ruled by always being out at night at events. I wanted to find a way to have, you know, air quotes, a more normal life, whatever that means. I wanted, you know, just to be able to come home at night and leave work at work at work, or so I thought. And so the transition would come by way of a position in the automotive industry. So I transitioned out of, you know, the kind of music entertainment space, at least as far as my daytime gig was concerned. And I moved into auto and actually accepted a position with Atlanta's largest family-owned dealership group, Jim Ellis. And so for two years, I served on their corporate agency team, overseeing the entire company's social media strategy, overseeing store-level teams, working with them on reputation management, and just overall various aspects of the digital marketing piece of the business. And it was my first glimpse at, you know, having a seat at the table. Uh, I remember having an experience at that job um, of so we eventually transitioned our offices and and moved into a new space. And that space was shared with the training department. And every week they had a new set of, you know, new employees coming through and they would take them on a tour of the building. And that would include passing by our offices. And here I am this, you know, mid twenties, you know, young chick just doing social media. And I had a a black woman one week that came through and she went into the break room and then she came back out and she waved, um, like to get my attention because my, you know, my, whole door and everything was glass. So she waved to get my attention and she just did two thumbs up at me like like excited. Like she was smiling and she gave me two thumbs up. And at first I was like what is happening? And then I realized like oh, I'm probably the only face of color that she recognizes in this building and she's giving me like a a silent but not so silent like a a visual uh go girl, you you did that. And it was the most beautiful experience. I think I cried once I realized what she was doing because <laughs> I'm super emotional. Okay. Hey, Virgos. But I I felt like that was just such a beautiful moment. And so it was definitely the beginning of me kind of standing up into my expertise of being a marketing professional and knowing what I was doing and knowing that I was supposed to be there. I was getting my uh, first glimpse into the world of corporate and even though um, by some standards you know having a1,000 employees for some for a lot of companies that's still considered small for me it was the biggest you know company I had ever worked for and even though I was you know had previously just a few years before been feeling burnt out I Was definitely starting to get tired of the routine of, you know, go to work, leave work at work, come home, do it all over again. But truthfully, I, you know, I was still moonlighting doing my work with SC Creative Group and doing my work at my job during the day. And I know you're like, girl, you just said you were exhausted and now you're trying to put more on your plate. I'm like, I know, I just listen it's a back and forth thing. Okay. So if you're a creative, you, f- you feel me, you know, some days you just don't want to do anything. And some days you want to do everything. And so picture is January 2016. I'm minding my business. I'm sure you were doing the same at that time. And Beyonce decided to drop the formation video. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe it's again, it could be the Virgo energy, but I love Beyonce. And when that video dropped, I was so inspired. I was so inspired that I started creating designs that night, like watching the video. I started creating t-shirt designs with the intention of launching an online apparel business at the encouragement of a friend. And after years of creating projects with other people's visions, I wanted something for myself but some form of me that I could give to to people that would hopefully speak to them as well. Some form of artistic release that would go into the world the way that I had envisioned it. And so it would take me another eight months to actually get the courage to launch. But I launched my first products for pre-sale later that year, thanks to the loving yet firm nudge of my good friend Chantel. So Shop Simone Cherie was my personal ode to the excellence of Black people and Black women. Secretly, it was me loving on myself and my Blackness through apparel design the way so many of us tend to express ourselves through our fashion choices. And thank God for that nudge, Chantel, because since launching four years ago, the lifestyle brand has landed in the pages of Essence on the holiday gift guides of Boss and Hello Beautiful. And we've shipped products to more than 200 cities around the country and even sprinkled some Black Girl Magic in Toronto and London. So it's been the joy of one of the joys of my life to... Interact with Black women, to hug people's moms and aunts and, you know, women my age who could be my friends and see how much they love the products that I've put my artistic love into. It's been the most rewarding thing to experience over the last four years. And so at the time, you know, I was just getting started. And shortly after I started that business, I was now two years into corporate and I had come to the conclusion that like corporate wasn't for me. The setup of corporate just didn't make sense between the politics, the lack of flexibility and broken promises. I just wanted out. I wasn't willing to stand by and wait for someone to tell me how much I was worth or when they thought I would be worth more despite the responsibilities constantly stacking up. So Out of corporate, I went making yet another transition into a boutique design and development startup agency. And I was so excited going in, you know, people try to tell you when you're, you know, when it comes to your job or your professional day to day that you can't have it all, you can't have everything you want. And that's maybe the case in some scenarios, depending on what's really important to you and what's not. But I'm a firm believer that if you want things, you should be able to get them. You know, it's out there for you if you just believe. And so this job seemed like that. It was the pay that I wanted. It was the cool agency perks. It was closer to home, which meant I could, you know, sleep in bed, sleep in a little bit more and not sit in traffic. Hello, Atlanta traffic. Nobody wants to do that. It seemed like things were on the up and up. And then three weeks after my first day, almost three weeks to the day of my first day, um, I realized I was not going to be there long. <laughs> I hated it, and not a hated like I was miserable or I was in a, a environment that was unhealthy for me. I just knew culturally it wasn't a fit, and thankfully I had started therapy right around the time that I started this job. So you know, my therapist gave me the best advice that really helped me get through my time there, which was the perspective I needed to find joy in my everyday. So whatever I had control of to bring myself joy each day to focus on that. So that's what I did. I focused on daily joy and I was able to make it 11 months before I got laid off. What I was brought in to do initially, as far as, you know, my job, I wasn't really doing. And I had checked out at a certain point and that just left little room for me to find myself in this ever evolving kind of unstable environment. That was the place where their business was at, at the time. And so the funny thing about getting laid off and why I know God is always in the God business is because I was getting ready to actually submit my resignation later that week anyway. So we had clearly decided, both of us had decided and come to the understanding that this relationship needed to be over. And our reasons may have been different, but obviously the sentiment was the same. And so those in my inner circle all said the same thing. Congratulations. Let's go get drinks. Turn up. What's next? But they did that because they knew how miserable I had been. They knew that I had become not only not myself in that position, but I just it wasn't fulfilling for me. Other people who weren't as close to me or close to the situation, they were like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry for you. Are you okay? Oh, no, you know people tend to do that. I think they just, you know, it makes them feel better. Like, like they're offering condolences and they didn't realize that I was, I was excited. Why was I excited? Because I had been delivered and they didn't, you know, most people don't understand how being laid off can lead to you being delivered. But let me tell you why I was delivered. So I was not enjoying this job. I wasn't enjoying the company culture. I was, I was getting ready to exit stage left. And instead, they let me go and gave me a month's severance. So I got a month's worth of pay to leave that day. And I was going to be gone anyway. And I still would have had to go there for another two weeks and do the whole thing. And God was like, "Mm -mm, no, God or look, or the owners of the company. They were like, no, we're just going to go ahead and let you go. And, you know, we're going to pay for you for the next month and good luck. And I was like, cool, I'm out. And I never looked back. And it was the most amazing feeling because for those of us who struggle with a little bit of perfectionist ways, that was the first time that I knew that something that looked like an L was actually a win for me. So that was a big moment in my life because the perfectionist in me would have been like, oh, no, girl, you got laid off. Like you're a failure. Uh, Nope. I was delivered from a place that I didn't want to be anyway. And then God provided for me to figure it out over the next month um, so that I could figure out what I was going to transition into and do next. What I did take away from that experience was everything I could about what it took to run a B2B design and marketing agency. That is literally what I had been you know, working toward doing since 2013. But at the same time, I was, you know, taking on all these other daytime roles and kind of putting my business on the back burner. So a lot of my agency experiences or a lot of my work experiences in so many ways have been me or our team creating stuff and kind of figuring it out as we go where, um, And creating the processes where now I could see how somebody else's processes were working. I could see what a company was doing to get a minimum $5,000 or $10,000 project. I could see what a pitch deck looked like if you wanted to pitch somebody a $50,000 worth of services. I could see what those steps looked like because they were doing it. Like, I I will give them that. They were definitely getting to the money. And so I absorbed everything I could, everything I had access to. And I did the best I could for them as, as long as I could good. So after leaving that agency, I found myself back with my TRG family. I should note that the resource guild is really where I added to my web design skills and to my portfolio of work because I had done some foundational work at SCAD, but at the same time, you know, working with clients through our agency and as well through my own business, I was realizing how many Businesses and clients, personal brands and professional brands were in need of websites or had websites that were outdated or had websites that weren't effective in telling their story or having the elements that they needed to really build a community or engage an audience. And so I would grow my skill vastly over that time and continue to grow it. And when I went back to kind of re-strategize about what SC Creative Group was going to look like. I wanted to make sure that I was continuing to help brands develop themselves, strategize on their marketing and design websites that effectively shared their mission and message. After a year back at my back in the mix with my TRG family, I actually did a short stint back at my old automotive gig, filling in for a former coworker. and I decided last year to exclusively focus on my business, on SC Creative Group and on my shop. And I wanted to just focus on helping small businesses and creative brands position themselves for online success. And you know, the ways that I would do that and build out a team to do that would be through well thought out brand design, customer-centered web design, and digital marketing strategies designed to build community. So I'm passionate about taking um, the information and everything I've learned over this very colorful career of mine from entertainment to nonprofit and corporate to agency life to help small businesses make more strategic decisions Early on in their business to increase their sales potential by meeting customers where they are with the information and products they need. I am committed to it because I know what it's like to be a one woman show. I know what it's like to feel like you are being pulled in so many different directions because you have to do everything from operations to sales to marketing to all of that. And so I just, in my quest to find what purpose I'm supposed to be doing out here, I have just naturally kind of grooved into this digital marketing space where I get to help people build their online businesses. And I've done it for myself. So now that I get to help other people and, and, do it on larger and larger scales. It is the most beautiful thing to watch people create opportunities that give them a path toward generational wealth for their family. And that's what I care about. And that is the mission that I'm on personally for myself, but it's also the mission that I'm on to help other people and their businesses do that as well. So that's a snippet of me. I feel like that was a mouthful. But um, if you if any of this sounds familiar, if you might have heard yourself, you might have been laid off. You might be pursuing a passion right now. You might be a first generation business 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 owner, you might be a Virgo like me. This podcast is for you. So you've landed in the right place and I'm on this journey with you and we're figuring it out together. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I know through the candid conversations that we're going to have with the amazing women in my network and those that I look forward to both of us, all of us getting to know more. um, I hope to help you and myself get more aware, aligned and intentional in our daily walks. And as we pursue our passions and goals as entrepreneurs, um, I hope that we all get closer to building a life on our own terms. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode. If she looks like me, I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode. Before we go, I'm going to take just a couple minutes to share with you the vision behind the name of the podcast. And I'm going to share with you the clip actually that inspired me to create this space. So let's do it. Before we go, I want to just share really quickly the vision behind the name of the podcast. Some people are like, what does she looks like me? What's that mean? I actually was inspired by a Leslie Jones interview on The view um, where she had an opportunity to give Whoopi Goldberg her flowers for the impact that she had on her as a kid and being able to see herself and believe in herself that she could be more than the circumstances that she grew up in and was surrounded by at the time. So take a listen to the clip. I Love this clip so much, and I listen to it regularly because it gives me motivation, so I hope you enjoy it, and hopefully we don't get in trouble for it, but, you know, we're going to play it anyway, and when people ask, why is this podcast called She Looks Like Me?, we'll point them here and tell them this is why.
1: Now, I know that you are a big fan of Whoopies, and she really inspired you
0: when you were coming up as a comic. Uh, Tell us.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm going to do this without trying to get emotional. We're here for you. Yeah. (sighs) OK, when I was young, uh, I always my dad always let me listen to comedy albums. And I always knew about comedy. I always loved comedy. Uh, the day that I saw Whoopi Goldberg on television, I cried so hard, because I kept looking at my daddy going, oh my god, there's somebody on TV that looks like me. Aww. She looks like me. Daddy, I could be on TV. I can be on TV. I can do it. Look at her. Look at her.
0: She looks just like me.
1: I I watched that, and my dad recorded it for me. I I literally watched it every day after school. And a great story. Um, I went to college, and I was in a communications class. And they told us to get a a speech ready. I didn't get it ready. And I just put my sweatshirt on my head and went up to the front. And I was like, I want white girl hair. (laughs) And did that for three minutes. And she was like, you never have to come to this class again. (laughs) I, that's, I just, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because now I know what I'm doing, that when I put on that Ghostbuster suit and little girls see me on TV now, mm-hmm. now they're going to go, "I can do it. Yeah. and you gave that. <laughs> you gave that to me and I love you I love you from my heart and my soul and I love you for what you've done for black women. I love you for what you've done for black comedians and I love you.
0: Doesn't it just give you chills? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But you know, as a Black woman who in so many ways, in so many instances, has struggled to see herself and find herself in a world that probably is intent on us not seeing ourselves, it is a beautiful thing to be able to share with somebody how they impacted you in a positive way to dream bigger and believe in yourself and know that you can be more than the circumstances that surround you. I heard that and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she looks like me." And I was like, "Yes!" That feeling. And I've actually heard that phrase so many times on, you know, interviews or in, you know, watching videos. There are so many women who are like, "Oh my gosh, she looks like me." And I'm like, "How profound of a statement is that that you can see yourself in somebody so much so that it motivates you to take action." So, that is what we hope to do on this podcast. This is our safe space. This podcast is centered in Black womanhood, but anybody and everybody's welcome to listen. Thank you so much again for listening to this first episode. I'm finally going to get out of here. My name again is Simone Cherie. I am your host. I'm also a serial entrepreneur, e-commerce founder, and digital strategist. And this is She Looks Like Me, the podcast.